All right, hello everyone. Welcome to the Laura Canfield Show, the Awaken Happiness Now Global Series. Thank you so much for being here with us today. If you are watching live or on the replay on YouTube, thank you so much. And please do join us on a regular basis to hear all these wonderful speakers. Um, it is my deepest wish, desire, and intention to bring these wonderful speakers and guests here to share their wisdom, their teachings, their healing, their activations, et cetera, so that we can all thrive, so that we can all expand our consciousness, raise our frequency and vibration for not just us, but the collective and the planet as well. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. And um, please do watch all the replays on demand and all the live shows. And what else was I going to say? It's Friday. <laughs> I'm excited. My dear friend Elizabeth Wood is here with us. She's back and we're going to be talking about the galactic past and the imminent future. And so some of what we're going to discuss today or, and that Elizabeth will reveal is about why you should care about our shared galactic roots, how galactic anthropology will help us understand our future, how the mystical art of dreaming and storytelling can be a platform for wisdom, where the variety of concepts about our past come from, and the key mystical reason you might want to join us for more during this conversation. So. Um, there's always so much that we cover, always so much that we bring forward on these shows, and this, Elizabeth especially. We will be taking live caller questions as well, because that brings out even more wisdom um, from Elizabeth. So you can raise your hand, or you can type your question in the chat. Um, other than that, you know what? I'm so excited that Elizabeth is here. I feel like it has, it's been a while, but it probably has not. So <laughs> please join me in welcoming <laughs> Elizabeth back to the show. <laughs> Hi, Elizabeth, welcome back. I know it hasn't been that long, but it just sometimes like so much happens in the world and in our lives that it just feels like we haven't talked in a while, but I'm sure it was just like a few months ago. It's like, oh my goodness. So I'm so glad you're back with us. And I know there's so much change happening in your life, in your work even, right? And so when we're talking about the past and the future, it's we're also talking about the now, right? So uh where do you want to get started? I'm excited because you always bring so much wisdom and I always get so many ahas during our conversation. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to find out for myself what new is going to be, you know, coming up for me. Oh, thank you. It's super great. And I'm glad to be back, of course, too. Um, and well, you know, go, when it comes to energy, it has been a long time. <laughs> so uh, time is super relative. Um I, I'd like to just kind of get started in first um, explaining our place in space at the moment. <laughs> and that's basically what galactic anthropology is, um, is understanding galactic cycles, earthly and solar cycles, and how these impact culture over time and impact human evolution. Um, and so it is a real branch of science. It's not something easy that you can go find uh, books and publications on because this is all very new. It's part of the movement uh, from separating the esoteric and mystical from the scientific, right? And and we've now combined it. And that's really what's gonna offer perspective. And some of these perspectives have everything to do with where we're at in space. Um, so I'll, I'll point out some some things that are happening in culture and consciousness real quick, and then relate it to where we're at. So before we do that, Elizabeth, I sure. just want to share really quickly for those who may not be familiar with your work or may sure. and maybe maybe new to you. Um, 
like like I said, Elizabeth's been with us many times and we love having her on the show. There's so much wisdom. But for those of you who don't know her, she is considered an advanced seer. She works on the cutting edge of galactic and quantum anthropology. So we've already started talking about that a little bit. Uh, trauma, healing, and futurism. And with her lifelong ability to see into and work with all dimensions, her theoretical and psychic work has helped people all over the world. She's called a living library and oracle. And Elizabeth has spent her whole life studying anthropological theory, quantum physics, ancient and modern medicine. She has two science degrees, including a master's in applied anthropology and her philosophies and practices bridge science and spirituality to support real change in the world. So we already started talking a little bit about science as well as spirituality, as well as anthropology and the galactics and time and all that wonderful stuff. But just in case you are new to her, I thought I would share a little bit uh, so that you're Yes, you can understand where we're coming from. <laughs> otherwise, it sounds kind of wild, and it doesn't doesn't uh, seem quite immediately that I'm speaking about actual measurable physics. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but that's exactly what we're getting into. Um, so let's kind of just take this overview. There's this field of energy that's kind of amping up, and we can all feel it. It's been amping up for a long time, but it seems really extra amped up. And that's because it's reached a threshold finally. Um, and the new pieces that are coming up are twofold, right? So we're watching the dissolving of big systems like the financial system and even the complete um, redefining of things perhaps as well, like the internet itself is really being redefined as not just a place for transparency, but a place for uh, like a living ledger. Um, so there's different mindset changes going on that really couldn't happen unless we were in the place and space that we're in. Um, some other things that are happening, full disclosure. I mean, Stephen, Dr. Stephen Greer, who's a true hero and all of the whistleblowers that he works with, that's a very important um, thing for you all to watch right now. It, it is full disclosure. Um, Dr. Stephen Greer went on to the press club. Uh, if you get on YouTube and go look it up, it's two hours long. I watched it live with my children, um, just like you might watch the moon landing with your kids, right? Because it's that important. Um, and what was he saying? Well, some of the things I'm gonna talk about today and of course we're not going to come to the table the galactic table blindsided in any way and we have had so many wonderful people to offer the voices of those those galactic councils these are real humans they're humans from different planets human dna is not from earth it has been put here on purpose and our dna is unique in the universe it's unique in the galaxy um, just as the Pleiadian DNA is then after evolution kicks in, also unique, um, etc. So we have lots and lots of family out there who are older than us, who've been through the same cycles. Um, but that full disclosure is part of that energy. It's the energy of revealing. And then we have another energy, this energy of innovation that's going on. And you're going to watch over the next literally just the next few years folks uh, the ai piece which i, I want to point out two things about ai today because it is part of our galactic story um but very quickly 
there's tiny AI, which we've all been using all the time. These are like alarm clocks and um, and different kinds of apps. And these are called tiny AI. They're useful little artificial intelligence that really isn't intelligent. It's really just following a set of guidelines that humans give it. Most of what you interact with, 99.9% .9 is tiny AI. It's useful app, applica application based intelligence simply that's there to help humanity right but then we have this other ai and you're not really interacting with it very much and it doesn't use binary and it's not from here and that's the one people kind of fuss over or argue about because there's an assumption that it's completely taken over the internet and that's not what's happening um do you need to worry about it well and only in so much as you might worry about gray aliens or mantis beings or draconians showing up on your doorstep. So if you're not worried about that on a daily basis, don't worry about the AI. Um, so this innovative piece is popping up and that's really important. And that, but that leads us to our place in space. We we have a, and this is a little different than I've ever described it, Alara. So this is going to give us a, a better understanding of why I keep saying there's new light, there's new radiation, it's new, it's new, it's new, and everybody's like, well, that sounds nice, but how is that physically possible? So we have a, a galaxy that's um, that's shaped kind of in, a, in an eye if you're looking at it from the side. And there's a big ring of dust and material because this thing's spinning and it's spinning quite fast. It's spinning in a big pinwheel. Now, the galaxy's moving through space as well. And we're in a new chunk in space, never been there before. Um, it's, a, it's a kind of an interesting place because the material that our galaxy was in before, this big cloud of material, we're in a gap now. So the galaxy itself is actually receiving more light from the actual universe than ever before and it's new light, and it's not necessarily light that we understand because some of this light doesn't even come from stars or other galaxies. I argue it comes from consciousness. Um, so, so that makes it even shinier, right? Now you have the light flipped on a little more than ever before simply because the galaxy's in a new place. Then you have this big spinning pinwheel of a galaxy with lots of material on the in a, the shape of a big plate, sort of. And then you have us, and we're in this little solar system, and we're moving through space in a big spiral, kind of trailing along behind the sun. And you might have seen some of these newer videos where they show that. They're like, you're not just sitting in space. You know, we're actually moving along, and we're all just spiraling, trailing behind the sun, basically. And then, uh, of course, where's the sun going? Well, the sun's following along a trajectory going around this big plate of matter. And it's kind of out on the edge. We're actually way out on the edge, which has a very important effect on our cycles. But we're not just staying still in one spot along the edge going around and around like that. We actually go up and down. Go up and down like a merry-go-round. <laughs> on our own unicorn here <laughs> around the edges of the galaxy and we peek up above that plate of material and then we go down 
hang out in that material for a while and then we peak below that material. And we call these the yugas. These are the yugas. And so when we're in a golden age yuga, we're peaking above or below, we're in an ascending yuga where we're looking at our galaxy, our, excuse me, our solar system is then accessing more light from the core of the galaxy. And that core is very powerful and it has many, many billions and billions of suns. And it has that incredible black hole that is a great, powerful friend of ours in consciousness. And it emanates very interesting and unique forms of radiation and light. And so when you have human cultures on our planet getting access to more of that galactic light in an ascending yuga, then that means then you have more innovation, more peace, less dogma, less structure. This has been proven over and over and over again by archaeology. So in the last ascending yuga, you had these monoliths built that nobody knows how the heck they built them because that innovation disappeared with the descending yuga. When then you're in the darkness of the materium and you're cut off and you're more dense and literally consciousness is more dense and we went through it and we called it the dark age <laughs> for a good reason, right? So here now, you, all of us are experiencing this where we're starting to peak out. We're peaking above this material and we're getting blasted with this new light. Now, this means a lot of things. It means that we are going to expect things to change at an evolutionary level at the very particle level of existence because light is absorbed by all living things. 70% of the sunlight you get each day you absorb into your body. And where does it go? Well, it's intimately part of this universe. It, your body uses it. It literally moves it around your body using a system called the primovascular system that's inside the lymphatic system whose sole purpose is just to move photons around the body. This has all been measured, right? So um, it's very important for us to recognize then that we're gonna have to relearn pretty much everything that we knew. But at the same time, we're not gonna be here completely lost in the dark because we have templates of wisdom available to us. And these templates of wisdom they come with that light, but they also come with the presence and observation. Remember, the observer effect creates reality. Who's been observing humanity? Who's been observing humanity? Thousands and thousands of species. Because we're, right now, top interest in this galaxy. Top interest. And the, the, again, the reasons why are embedded in the real history of who we are. If you know who you are, my argument is you need to know this stuff. You need to know this history. If you know who you are, if you know who our ancestors really are and what their stories were over billions of years, not, not 300,000 years. Humans are a lot older than that anyway. We're 800,000 years old and we're actually at the end of that 800,000 year cycle, which means we're here to be something new now. You're here for that next step, that evolution, moving from Homo sapien to Homo luminous, um, which is the name many mystics have, and, and actually other people have come up for that version of the new human that we're becoming. And you're becoming it right now because 
you're accessing this light right now. The electromagnetic field of the Earth is disappearing because we're not only at that 800,000 year cycle end, we're at a 12,000 year cycle end. That one's the most important because that one denotes that pinwheel energy that comes from the galactic center, the black hole. It's a big electromagnetic field, like a big broom that sweeps and pushes material and electromagnetic energy and static and dust and you name it in front of it. And it hits us every 12,000 years. It can cause micronovas and it causes a pole shift. The first clues of that shift are the electromagnetic field slowly disappearing and the acting up of all the other planets in our solar system, which is happening currently. Mars seems to be waking up with earthquakes. Venus is heating up. Pluto just lost 20% of its uh, atmosphere. Neptune's acting weird. So Jupiter's heating up. So everybody's involved in all of this. All the planets go through this. The sun does and the earth. And so she's going through that shift too. And when can we accept, expect that pull shift? Well, between 10 to 15 years probably or so. So you're literally right in it and you're in it for a reason. But we're also at the end of a 6,500 year shift, a 1,200 year shift. Many gateways are open, but it's really spectacular, Alara, for peace, for galactic peace, because one of the attributes of our galactic past, all of this coming from ancient text, from my own conversations with these particular beings, and past life memory from myself and other teachers, so not just my own past life memory, but corroborating memory with others. And then, of course, a lot of feedback from you guys, because my amazing clients are the ones who remember this stuff, too. We were all involved in all of this. Everybody's got skin in the game and everybody's here. We've gone through 12 or excuse me, 66, 12,000 year cycles where the poles have shifted. The Earth is a giant etch-a-sketch. It just erases stuff every 12,000 years. And we didn't always, we got real close to being extinct multiple times. We ended up with only like 2,000 people left at the end of some of those ages. But the this age, there's more people here right now than all of those ages combined. At the end of all of those ages combined. So that means that everybody who's anybody <laughs> has gotten invited to show up. Is it easy? No, it's actually the hardest time to be here, which is why not everybody's into it. In fact, what's that percentage really of people who are really into this? Um, not a lot, but there's more waking up right every day and you're watching it. And it's partly because of that light. So I feel it's very important that we know our true history, that we get down to real actual galactic history, that we realize that we've been in a context of war for billions of years and that that's finally coming to an end. And that the as above, so below is playing out on Earth right now. You know, we're watching the elite continue to play their war games. What are we we're, we're beginning to realize if we start disengaging and saying we're not going to feed the beast anymore what resources do they have to continue to play? And we're gonna see that pan out. 
because we're here to end these wars once and for all. And part of it's the nature of our DNA here because it's original DNA. It's from the beginning of the creation of human DNA. And of course, everything we know about DNA even is going to have to go to the mat, folks. Um, and that's part of what needs to be relearned. So the wisdom of the past is key here. There's templates. There's templates. Templates are frameworks of thinking. Templates are frameworks of action that work with natural law. These are beyond knowledge. Knowledge is mostly expressed in story and experience. Wisdom is not. Wisdom is absorbed. Wisdom is mystical. Wisdom is beyond the story. And wisdom is the final outcome of the lessons of those stories. And we've done these particular cycles of war and peace and expression and evolution many, many times on many planets. And in order to understand all of the blessings and outcomes and the gratitude of, of final peace on these other planets who did finally get to global levels of peace, just as we will, um, if we can understand that this is actually something that is built into the human experience of consciousness and why, then we won't be um, caught blindsided by this shift. And we will be able to use it fully and to offer it as a gift to consciousness in our galaxy. And it will be the end of all of those wars once and for all, because our adversaries will not be our adversaries anymore. They will be our allies. And that's coming. Um, so that's what I see happening at the moment, Alara. <laughs> so that's that's a lot. And, you know, just it seems like we're here at a really pivotal time. Um, new, you know, new energies, but also the, 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 the cycles, right? Changing in the cycles, right? So we're, end at, we're at the end of several cycles. So meaning... We're also getting closer to the beginning of new cycles. So there's a lot of new energies and new ways of being coming up. And some, like you said, we don't know anything about because no one's ever been in this position before, right? That's, yep, <laughs> super fun. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting to see what shapes up. But, you know, I always say it's like, be in the energy of the new, but don't be in the energy of fear. Just because there's change, just because there's something new does not mean that we have to go into fear about it, right? You know, it's it's not like we're doing this alone. Like we we're always being guided and supported, and you know, observed, right? Like there's all there's so much observation happening right now, seeing what's happening. So it's like we're we're never alone. So that you know, as that's why I don't understand why people are going to even go into fear about. Oh my God, this is happening. Oh my God, like like right now, the, this big whole thing about the climate. It's yeah. so hot. This is the hottest in July in the history of recorded histories, according to some climatologists, right? So people are really worried about the climate. People are really worried about shortages of, of rice and flour and tomatoes and all that stuff, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, it's like those are at, at the practical level. But if you're looking at a bit at a bigger picture level, what else is happening? Like, what else are we going to be experiencing? Yes, the the AI in a different way than we've ever experienced before. We we don't know what it's going to be like, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that it's going to be bad. Yes, right, right. Yeah. And so, if we are are having or holding our focus on 
you know, looking at looking to the future from the wisdom of the past, we can take the wisdom of the past so that we don't make the same mistakes, but we can take the wisdom from the past to guide our future in a way that is gonna be even better than it is right now. Is that possible? Yeah, I like that. And if you can, can kind of actually put like a visual or even a physical visual to it, we take this template and, and you know, um, a template is always powerful, but it's only ever gonna be as useful or as innovative as the energies that are applied to it, right? So X plus Y equals Z is a template. And then if you put, you know, negative numbers in those places, then yeah, you're gonna end up with a negative outcome. If you put a little bit of positive, a little bit of negative, well, it just depends, right? Yeah. Your outcome's not gonna be as big as you thought. But if you're applying all of the new light and, saying, all right, well, you know, um, uh, taking that really positive aspect of this, like, why are people really afraid, really? It's because they're afraid of death. They're afraid of pain and death, of course. It, that's always the root cause, always, is yeah. the fear of death. And so when people stand in their power and they say, you know, I'm going to have a mindset shift around and this is so powerful that that's a shifting of your of your superstructure, the, the highest levels, the most uh, esoteric and unseen levels of culture in the form of belief, in the form of language. When I'm speaking positively about our adversaries, instead of calling them their, our enemies and saying it's inevitable for them to be our allies, that's a really positive mindset um, that took a long time for me to get to because I had good reason to really dislike these guys. <laughs> and so do you. Um, but, but, they, but they have a place in the universe, right? And, and death is not real. So that's key. You're going to watch people realize that whatever they plug into these equations of reality is what they get. And when they start to go in and say, I'm going to plug in, um, that I that I'm not afraid of death, that I believe in the infinite, that I believe in the infinite of my soul, whether I remember anything or not. You don't need to remember anything at all just to believe in the infinite, um, or the power of divine will, or the power of divine timing. When you start plugging those things into these equations, then you get miracles, right? And so that's what teachers like myself want to teach humans to do is to do the human thing better and um uh, climate is change and you've heard me say that before climate is change climate change isn't a problem but because the climate's constantly changing and furthermore humans have very little to do with it it has everything to do with these cycles and the sun and that's quite right. It's warming up right now because of a lot of reasons, but mainly because the electromagnetic field's disappearing. And it's got a mechanism. The Dansgaard Oshgar effect is happening shortly, and it's going to get real cold. So it looks like it's heating up, sure. That's true. And the Atlantic um, currents are going to take a pause for a little bit. It's going to get real warm. Yes, that's normal. It's normal, happens at a regular pace, measurable. Um, and furthermore, then it initiates a cycle that cools the whole earth down quite quickly. So we're heading into an ice age. And it's 
the, the problem with people's fear is that basically they want everything to stay the same. We want to be comfortable, but my friends, there's a dark side to comfort and it's apathy. And that's what's um, blocking humans the most right now is this desire for comfort and the apathy that comes of it. And all of that is born of the matrix and all of its constructs. But the heart of the matrix is human hatred. Human hatred, the human hatred program. It's all your fault. All the shortages are your fault. All the gas changes are your fault. That's called hubris, and it's not a correct in any way. And if the earth didn't want us here, we would have been gone a long time ago. Because pole shifts, like somebody asked, what does that feel and look like? Well, it's not fun. This is the dangerous part <laughs> of the ending of a yuga, right? Because guess what? Living in the universe in the physical is very dangerous. You're on a flying rock in space, as my brother, who special ops, used to say. And I'd be like, why do you always choose the dangerous missions? And you volunteer for it. And he looks at me. He's like, are you kidding me? We're on a rock in space. Flying through space, Elizabeth. Nothing about this is safe. <laughs> so I think it's uh, really important for us to get back to human love loving ourselves and the only way you can do that it's not going to be you going and looking at everybody on youtube and, and trying to love them and all the madness going on on the streets it's going in onto the self into the heart into your true self right alara so i feel like if we're going to take advantage of all this and be in a place of not not being in fear not just physical preparation it, but it's um, it's actually spiritual preparation in the finding who am I and falling in love with that part of you that is beyond your body and beyond your usual uh, wardrobe of identities, but the core of you that goes beyond time that has no fear of death. And it's deep, deep down. And it does run the show most of the time because we hear that voice argue with the other voices in our head. <laughs> and that's the one that seems the most correct usually that's the one that seems the most in charge is the voice of the soul but how do you discern that these are things i can care about um but yeah that that's where this fear is coming from and it's born of a fear of death which is born of slavery a slavery mindset wow yeah absolutely and i think the more that we can you know, come back within, love each other more, each other and ourselves more and more and more and really be okay with who we are. Yeah. The easier it will be for us to go through this phase of endings and beginnings. Because sometimes our mind just wants to try and understand and sometimes we cannot. I mean, if there were not people like you sharing this wisdom, we would all be in fear. And we would be reacting, going into reaction, right? So it really is important to know about the history and, you know, who are we as, as human beings? Like, but not the negative part, just like truly, who are we? And when we look at yourselves as, as, a, as a species, a human species, we're very, very, we're amazing, right? And we've been through so much and we can do so much when we, we, we have the capacity to, for so much more if we can just get out of that fear yeah. and go into trusting, right? Um, 
so let's talk a little bit about because I really like this idea of you know because like we we want to be creating our future right we always talk about creating our future creating our present but if, if we can do that with that the mystical art of dreaming and storytelling because basically the 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 dreaming and storytelling is what we're telling ourselves so that we can start to create that new future first within ourselves and then in the outer right yes and it becomes also a very cool very soft vehicle for wisdom so knowledge you know when i say hey you want to get involved in hearing the stories of the past there's going to be a lot of knowledge there like someone asked this very great two people really a uh, question around what is going on with this war thing and is you know a good question too is that is that just relegated to earth oh no 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 nope and if you understand the cycles at a galactic level of what happened to all of our other our cousins our older cousins then suddenly there's a, a way to understand why humans go to war um and so the and and then you're being a historian because you do i i realize you're right in saying like we don't want to focus on the negative in that we're not going to put a bunch of our judgments and our traumas into our equations and then think it's going to work out um but we do need to hear these histories these stories about our ancestors and how they really screwed up and how they got out of it because those have been maintained in their stories and those stories are very important because they have patterns and those patterns are the wisdom those patterns are the templates those patterns are the templates so you need to know what when you compare the history of earth because we're going to get into the history of earth after this first course which is a year long um and then the next year i'm going to teach the real history of the 66 cycles which is really really exciting um but when you get into that galactic history, then you can start comparing these stories and seeing these patterns. And the, that's where the wisdom is. But why do we need storytelling and what is mystical dreaming? Well, storytelling is a template in and of, it, in of itself. It's a, it's a tool, it's a skill, kind of like breathing <laughs> um, or speaking. It's built into the human genome on this planet. It was so important as a skill that our ancestors who helped design our experiment here purposefully made sure that we would know how to do storytelling because it's one of the better ways to maintain histories. And we know that literally from anthropological understanding because some of the, there, there have been, for example, um, well, Troy is a really good example. The city of Troy. No one ever thought it was real. And the city of Troy is written about in the Odyssey and, and the Iliad. And everyone thought the Odyssey and the Iliad were these cool stories, but that they weren't real. Well, it turns out it was all real and that Troy really existed. And they finally, you know, listened to what the stories said, these stories maintained in perpetuity and went and looked in the exact places that they were told to and lo and behold would they finally found troy just like if they go north of gibraltar a little bit and start digging under those mud flats they're going to find atlantis the main port of atlantis not the only port 
but the main port of Atlantis, just where Plato and his um, uncle told us they would be. Um, and so these are really important because the story is maintained beyond the mind. It's maintained in the heart. The, and that's why I want to tell story um, as a history, do it in a storytelling way in, instead of a lecture way, because I tend to, I'm a lecturer. I'm a, a kind of play professor here. But I realized that some, there was something about these galactic histories that we kind of needed to lay back and just hang out and let the divine tell us a story. Because your heart needs to feel these templates beyond the ones you already have access to. And the only way to do that is to be in a dream state, in a daydream-like state. And the daydream-like state is what we call in mysticism, mystical dreaming. It's a purposeful way to open your heart space into the fourth dimension and open up into these patterns, these pieces that want to be revealed through the heart. The mind isn't meant to then take hold of it right away. The mind will be the last one to understand the templates and patterns, but the heart will pick it up. So that's why instead of lectures, history lectures, these are going to be stories. And, you know, um, the reason I chose this form is also because that's how I gained all of this history in the first place <laughs> was to actually be told stories by Pleiadians and Syrians and Arcturians, both incarnate in human bodies of people who remembered, but also incarnate in actual Pleiadian and Syrian and Arcturian bodies and able to psychically sit with me and lay these histories out, right? Um, that's, that is the heart of galactic anthropology, really, is the ability to connect with all these different kinds of beings and gain a bigger, fuller picture of what does humanity mean in this greater context of the galaxy and beyond. Because a lot of beings are here from beyond. They're not from this galaxy. Um, and they're not from the dimensions we're used to hanging out either, some of them, right? So angels and demons, they're aliens too. They come from a different dimension and they have a story too. That's not a story we're getting into this time. But that being said, um, furthermore, in my own family, the best way that I learned from my parents was through their stories. And my, my six younger siblings and myself and my parents all ended up becoming very excellent storytellers. And so being able to um, present the same story over many decades consistently without changing pieces and, and being able to express the stories of my father, for example, to my children and maintain that wisdom um, is so beautiful. It's such a wonderful human piece that we can play with. And, um, and it's something I haven't really practice with either Alara. So you, we were talking about new work. This is the new way for me to teach. Um, and I'm excited because I've, I've never done it this way before, um, but it makes sense. It feels correct. And um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm noticing about the changing of our future 
through using these patterns and stories and why all of the storytelling and mystical dreaming is useful for that. Awesome. And I also think a lot more people will be receptive to storytelling rather than lectures, right? Because storytelling is an easier form of uh, relaying the information that people can grasp rather than lectures, right? And oh, yeah. we can and we can relate to characters in the story, right? Um, I I just I was just I was talking to my parents and we were they were my, my dad is a great storyteller. <laughs> I am not, as it turns out, but he's a, he's a really good storyteller and so he's been telling me some stories about our history and our past. But even some you know the the epics in in Indian mythology they call them myths right mythology but it turns out. That some of those stories, like the like the um, Ramayana and and the Mahabharata, were actually true and real, and they can go back and see they found, you know, things that that proved that it, it existed, right? So if you have the heart to receive that wisdom, you will, right? And if you're like, ah, eh, now that can't, that couldn't have happened, blah blah blah, you know, it's like okay, fine. But for me, I've always been really drawn to both of those epics you know and um have taken a lot of wisdom from from them both so it's it's really interesting to see what is has been true the true wisdom has been shared but are you willing to receive it right so even with you know the storytelling and the daydreaming even like are you willing to receive the wisdom that's going to come through from that right and that's like how receptive are you to change to up-leveling yourself, to expanding your consciousness, expanding your mind, expanding your heart, right? How open are you, really? And so I'm, you know, like like you said at the beginning, there are more and more people who are waking up. Yes, absolutely, thank goodness, right? It is happening. But for those of us who have been on the path for so long, sometimes we get tired and we get yeah. <laughs> and we get stuck and we're like, ah, oh, I'm not sure anymore, right? So um, what wisdom do you have for us about that? Yeah, for sure. I love that um, you're right, we get tired. And in this case, whenever that happens for me, I mean, I can only speak from my experience with that. Because um, I grew up what they call red pilled. My parents were really awake. And they were also very accepting of my psychic skills. So I have a very different uh, outcome um, because I understand these things to be true and have always lived that way. Um, now, I think that when it comes down to it, that's really key is to recognize that, and this actually applies to what I think it's Leela is trying to say, there are so many different people with different stories that contradict each other. That's kind of true um, to a certain extent. And like, there is an understanding that if you're getting tired of, of the same old, this is a good way to get relaxed. You do kind of got to get back down to basics here and be willing to kind of settle back into a, uh, the crumbling paradigm and watch it crumble Include and, and keep throwing in your own beliefs into the blender, folks. Um, like we're going to completely have a whole brand new concept of DNA because that model was all that was. It was just a model. And it was based off of Newtonian physics, which is not true. And then atomic physics, folks, is getting blown out of the water. 
because reductionism is no longer useful. You can't reduce things down to their minute particles and think you understand reality. And you certainly can't reduce things down and assume that you know what the cause of anything is. And we have a causation and reductionist model of thinking and science that since the 1700s in the USA and the 1600s in, the, in Britain have been all profit-based. So, so our true model of science is gone. And the only way to be able to regain it, which is basically consistent and constant observation, is to go into the esoteric stories and lean back into them and, and open wide up into a new way of being. Be willing to understand that we know jack about our bodies. We know jack about reality. We are only just getting a taste. And the stories that I want to tell you about our history and about these planets and the cycles and patterns that they went through that apply to us will help us to get fresh and not feel so tired of the rest of humanity, but rather do the opposite, have more universal compassion. When you're feeling tired, it's because you're lacking compassion, folks. You're lacking compassion because ignorance doesn't know it's ignorant. <laughs> And distortion and trauma are so distorting and so real in humanity. It needs to be understood that people don't see themselves as souls, first and foremost, like many of us do. That that's actually a very modern and new and very, you know, fresh way of being in consciousness right now. Um, but, you know, I think it kind of applies to also what you were saying, um, uh, what Sarah's saying here, too is you know what about all these peaceful planets i like that question because um the fact is is that there was really only one planet with humans on it that ever avoided war ever and that's the arcturians now the arcturians they are awesome in that they're experts in symmetry and syncing up with natural law and how frequency creates form and they're established both religious and governance-based model didn't change for millions of years, which is unheard of, but it's because they never had the same factors of causation, and those factors of causation are really complex and can never be narrowed down to one thing. Um, and, and so in the stories, you'll hear me speak about some of these patterns, but how the causation is so unique in each format. Like, why did the Pleiadians nearly commit total genocide on themselves? Why did the Syrians end up completely destroying their priestess class and replacing it with a military coup? Why would they do that when they're supposed to be evolved, right? Well, they didn't start out that way. <laughs> so we got to get to the piece. There's templates for that all built into the stories. Um and so that's really important. And, and then the contradictions, well, they don't actually. It's, it's that whenever you have a, a position in, in, a, in a scenario, no matter how many versions of observation you have, each angle will always be different, Leela. So if you have an object in front of you and you have a circle of people, no matter, no matter how many people you have there, there's, going, there's only so many angles that can be that that object can be observed but each observer has their own sets of data 
informing what they're perceiving. And so not only their lifetime, but their soul's information and the essence of their soul too, right? So my essence, no matter how ego-free I am, my essence is always going to have a unique perspective in the universe, unlike yours. There will never be two perspectives that are the same at all. So the idea that, oh, they contradict each other, that's kind of not useful in the long run for our thinking. It's better for us to say, how do they overlap? How do they overlap? And that's where I've been working. Because it's in this, in anthropology, we know that there's always going to be an infinite amount of possible ways to view the same thing. And, and getting caught up in that as a set of differences is not going to be conducive to moving ahead. So the only way to gather data properly then is to say, well, what are the commonalities? What are the overlaps? That's where these stories that I'm going to tell you come from. It's the overlaps. Because I've had lifetime conversations with people who I've had lifetimes with. And we're talking about the same event that we were both there for the same event <laughs> long time ago. And we completely perceived it differently. But there were overlaps, which made it very clear that the event did happen. There were powerful overlaps. How we saw it, why those things happened, was different. The fact that it occurred was not. That was a fact. Because it was corroborated over and over and over and over again by thousands of people. Not just a few. Thousands of people that I personally spoke to. So that's the cool part is I'm not telling you to trust me. <laughs> I don't care about that. I want you to get what is needed out of these patterns for yourself. What is needed out of these stories? Do you need to believe these stories and that they're true or not? Well, no, not at all. You don't have to believe these things are true at all. In fact, why not see how that feels to suspend your belief a little bit and just feel the story. Just feel the story. Don't worry about it if it's true or perfect or not. Feel the story. Feel the energy of it. The way I'm going to tell it is going to take into account and honor the perspectives of the beings and people that I've talked to and take into account the amazing information we were given in our ancient texts as well. Um, and so that is what I can offer you is a neutral place where where that is honored and where we're, we're going to look at the overlaps um and that's important and kathy says you know will the changes of the earth bring some of the ets that live here to leave this planet well no no that's not the goal though kathy that's not the goal and and if you listen to these stories kathy you'll see why that's not the goal we don't want them to leave. In fact, there are a lot of hybrids here. What are we going to do with them? They're half or more human. And they they need a home too. And they suffer, man, because hybridization is really rough on consciousness because it goes against natural law. What are we going to do with those folks? Some of them are my friends and clients. What are we going to do for all of these beings who don't have homes like the gray aliens? They've been here for hundreds of years. They're, we're not telling anybody to leave. It's the other way around. We're taking charge. And we're going to set up a proper 
planet where human beings are in charge and we can learn from and create peace and honor and safe places for our continued peacemaking. And it, we are the table. Gaia Earth is the table on which the next galactic peace will be signed. This is where the golden age begins for the whole galaxy. We're supposed to be a hub for all of this interaction, an incredible place for wisdom because this planet is a living library. And so that is part of this, is starting to realize that our future is a combined and very beautiful future, but where humans are empowered, where human beings understand who they are. And where we're not sitting here at a table where everybody else is better than us because the Syrians, Pleiadians, angels, everybody, they're not better than us. And they would never say so. The, the right ones, if you're listening to the real ones, they would never say that. So that's my answer to those pieces. Um, does that make sense? Absolutely. And it's about, you know, we're going to be, and we already are collaborating with, with them, you know? so we're you know it's it's kind of like we're all part of, of a team working together right so like you said one is not better than the other and we're all working together communicating with each other corroborating um and helping all of us move forward right and on this path on this journey that we're on it's always it's confusing so, you know some of them may have different wisdom i mean they do they have different wisdom than we do but that doesn't make anybody better absolutely um, I love that you're able to like see all the, the questions in the chat. We are going to take some more questions in just a second. You were talking about um, the, uh, the, the package, you know, which is basically a 12-month live course, the Galactic Voyager package. So I thought I would take a minute and just talk a little bit about that before we go and take some more questions from folks. So I'm just going to share my screen, Elizabeth. So give me one second, okay? Got it. I'm following too, so. <laughs> All right, you should be able to see my screen now. Yeah, so this is the so Elizabeth's package, the Galactic Voyager package 12-month live course. The first two classes are starting soon. And, okay, Elizabeth, do you want to talk about it? So we have yeah. been talking about it throughout this call, but <laughs> go ahead. The first one is probably the most esoteric because it's so far out in time, right? And that one's coming up tomorrow. Um, but this one is about the deep galactic past. And so if you end up buying this package later, don't worry, that replay will be available to you. And these kinds of classes are the ones you'll want to probably listen to multiple times. The first time though, listen to it without taking notes just get really relaxed get a cup of tea and your jammies and like treat it like a journey right because that's what it is you're a journey you're in consciousness you're journeying with me to go discover these truths and the deep galactic past is the is the most strange because we're talking about things way beyond the 3d extremely formless beings running this galaxy and how that all looked and what their discovery process was um and what the implications and outcomes of that discovery process became, which have defined our current situation, right? But then we get into Homo Prima, 
Um, and I gotta be biased a little here because this is my particular star family is the Lyrans. And Lyrans are just big fat librarians, right? Basically, we're obsessed with wisdom and knowledge and we're obsessed with observation and we're obsessed with being able to take different dimensional perspectives and all of these things. And we value all perspectives all the time. Uh, it's, and Lyrans can be a little bit strange and heady and we can be total know-it-alls. Um, so, you know, taking that aside, being able to get that clarity of the very first human, Homo Prima, the very, very first human being that ever existed in this galaxy. What was that like? How did that all happen exactly? Then we get into, well, the Galactic Wars began shortly after that, because turns out you can't just make cool stuff like humans and then not expect people to want your cool stuff. <laughs> and that's what happened. Uh, so I'm going to do the Galactic Wars condensed in, in September. Um, then we get into the emissaries, because the Galactic Wars created a great need for peace even before everybody was really peaceful. There was an awareness that there's humans on many, many planets and all of these different humans, they all need to work together. And that awareness is important. How did they get on the planets? Well, the Epic of the Lyrans will tell you that. How did they get on these planets exactly and why? Um, then we go forward into, that'll be in October and then um, in in. November will be covering Rivers of Red, the Epic of the Syrians, and, and, and I called it the Epic of Sirius, whereas the others say things like the Epic of the Pleiadians, the Syrians didn't see themselves as a collective uh, conscious species, so they saw themselves as one with their planet. So that's why we call it the Epic of Sirius, not the Syrians, that's not how they see themselves. Right. And these are kind of some of the things you're going to pick up, these cultural attributes about these different family members. Then we get into Arcturus and what happened there. And furthermore, into the Council of Archetypes, which then designed the experiment of Gaia and how all of that panned out. And then we get into some of the lost tribes who influenced our planet very deeply, like the Lemurians. They did not um, evolve here on Earth. They came here as in, as refugees, actually. Um, that's a good example. Same with the Anunnaki. Everybody hates the Anunnaki, and you shouldn't, because they didn't do anything. They weren't the problem. Um, the Anunnaki were refugees, just like the Lemurians, and we owe a lot to them, and they were actually good. So I'm here to help blow some of that stuff up. That'll be interesting. But lastly, then we get into the waters part, Homo Luminous, our story and how the last 800,000 years in the 66 cycles have influenced how we're going to change into a new species now. So that's what I wanna share with you over this next year and take our time. Cause I usually would be like, I'm gonna do 12 straight weeks. That's how I would normally work. <laughs> 12 straight weeks, meaning once a week. Um, and I was like, no, we need more time. We got to chew on this stuff. <laughs> like we got to get some flavor out of this. This has to be a deep dish to enjoy slowly over a month. So I realized this is a year long discussion. Um, but that's why I wanted to invite everyone because I don't do these kinds of things hardly ever. Um, and I stopped teaching for a, a while. But now it's time to get back into this process together 
and create a connection in this way over the next year to set up the platform for ourselves with all these templates and then getting into our real Earth's history where we start to apply those templates in a more defined way for the creation of our future. And that's what's coming along the long run, the long game of this work. Why are we starting here and how we're going to end up in the next few years working together? So um, I'm excited. I love this stuff. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, we're going to be gaining not just, you know, wisdom, knowledge, but we're going to be integrating this wisdom and knowledge within us so that we as a, as a collective, whoever is, you know, joining uh, Elizabeth in this program is going to be expanding their consciousness, their awareness. So it's about the history, it's about the present, and it's about the future. So there's just, you know, it's like we sometimes need to know a little bit about and integrate it within our being and into our energy field in order to assist us in moving forward on on our journey, like the personal journey, as well as the collective journey. So th this, th this is a really unique, uh, I have to say, package. Um, you know, it's basically it's 12 calls, but it's like, it's like, it's not really calls. It's like wisdom and story and energy and consciousness and expansion and all that for 197. And there's a payment plan available. And of course, if you are an inner circle member, please do use your gift code. And like we said, the first call is tomorrow. And then the next one is August uh, 11th, I think it is. So even if you happen to miss tomorrow's call um, or August 11th, uh, the replays will be available as well for you. So not to worry if you can't join right away. Um, so that is Elizabeth's package. And I think it's going to be amazing, amazing. So much, like I said, I will say wisdom, but it's not, it's not. It's like, if you are sitting here with us right now, you are absorbing the the light and the frequencies that Elizabeth is automatically transmitting and radiating to all of us. It's not just words, okay? I, I think most of you know that already, so I don't have to, I'm preaching to the choir, <laughs> actually. <laughs> um, all right, so we, we wanna take uh, some questions. Um, Layla's asking, do the calls have any interaction with Q&A? Oh, sure. Yeah. Whatever, uh, whatever you need. That's yeah. what an oracle is, right? I'm just a mirror. So an oracle means someone, it's the highest level of psychic, right? So we start out with basic psychic skills. You might use tools for that. Um, maybe dowsing your cards or lots of different ways to play with our natural psychic ability. A seer then drops the tools. They get they're trying to run what they're perceiving through what they know. And so really good seers will often run what they perceive through what they know, which is definitely what I've done for many decades. But then you get to a point as an oracle where you, you're able to put everything that you know, all of your identity, all of who you are, everything that you think you are, and literally erase it temporarily in session or in a live reading like this in order to perceive the full truth whatever is needed to be perceived without any sort of reaction or judgment or attachment to outcomes that's what an oracle is it just i honestly just think it takes an incredible amount of practice to get to that point um which which i'm able to offer so whatever shows up right now quite happy to um connect with you on this and um and so whatever questions are popping up for you. 
All right. So um, Linda's had her hand raised for a long time. Great. Linda, are you still there? <laughs> yes, I'm still here. Hi. Hey, Linda. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Good. Okay. So my question is, um, the, I know the astronomers have found a second Earth, a parallel one. Um, do you know anything about that? Astronomers haven't. New, no? new, new age people. I thought NASA did. No, there's nothing like that. Um, no? I haven't, I haven't read any articles about that from a standard scientific perspective. Everything I've read about a parallel Earth has to do with a very specific lineage line of thinking. So we're talking about a, a lineage, right? A passed down, a certain way of thinking, okay. where at the end of each age, there's a split in consciousness and that the dense folks stick in one spot and the not so dense folks end up ascending. And this is a common theme that gets passed down and in Christianity, we, we've seen it um, come up as um, uh, rapture where certain are chosen to go to a parallel place, right? Um, this is a pattern in, in historical lineage-based thinking that um, has no 3D like physics or astrophysics proof of, of this. But what, what they have been able to prove is that there's either a brown dwarf or a very large but dark planet on the edge of our solar system because of the amount of gravity it has um, that they call planet X. And many uh, people believe that, and, and I found evidence to believe that it's actually a brown dwarf because the most suns are born as twins. And so our sun is no different. And there's an understanding that there very well may be a second sun, this brown dwarf yeah. that's just really dense and dark on the edge of our solar system. Um, and that actually makes quite good logical sense. The problem with the thinking around parallel Earths or other dimensional Earths is first off, Dimension, dimensions and dimensional thinking, there's no standard. It depends on the lineage that you're in. So I teach from a Tibetan um, Buddhist lineage. It's a really specific lineage that says that there's 12 dimensions of consciousness and that physical reality is defined by them. And therefore, from that particular lineage of thinking, there wouldn't be any possibility for parallel Earths because all possible dimensions are available all at once. And oh, so you're, you're experiencing them all at once. There's no parallels. Um, and in that lineage of thinking as well, there's no timelines. Time acts okay. more as an ocean and a, and a factor that's related to the material world rather than some unrelated dimensional factor. Time is not a dimension. It has everything to do with the material world. When you have a heavier planet, time goes slower than on a lighter weight, less dense planet. So there is no standard for time either. And it, that means it can't be a dimension because dimensions have standards. Um, the other piece is that there's this just general idea that the dimensions are separated. And that comes from uh, some, some new age teachers early on who implemented that idea that we were going to leave the 3d and somehow apparently skip over the fourth dimension and then end up in the fifth and uh, for years now i've been teaching 
no, 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 no. The dimensions didn't go anywhere. They're not separate from each other. They're they're a big, uh, wide open floor plan. <laughs> and we're not skipping around. And it's not ascension, it's expansion. Nobody's going higher, higher to where? Um, you're expanding, you're becoming more one with the true universe. So no, there's no parallel words. And um, however, don't underestimate just how weird the story of the creation of earth really is because <laughs> exactly. it doesn't fit astrophysics paradigms at all but that's the that's the gist of um what i perceive as true around dimensions at least and you know again hang out with that don't take it at face value see how it feels in your body and discern right. for yourself okay Thank you, Linda. You're so welcome, Linda. Awesome. Thank you, Linda. Uh, great question. Um, Sarah, you want to unmute yourself? Thank you. Hi, Sarah. Hi, dear. How are you? Really good today. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, I'm not. I keep getting an adversarial stuff with the medical system, which makes me worse oh, yeah. in my desire to recover. Um, I, I am just flummoxed by this world. I maybe it's just that I'm so tired of ego and adversity and war and I'm just kind of at my wit's end is about why I would sign on to even come here. And I know that I must have been part of uh, you know the adversarial part of it you know the oppressive part of it and before and and now i'm on the other side of it but i'm just so exhausted with the thoughtlessness and the cavalier way in which we treat others or don't respond to others you got any insight for me i just don't feel like i want to keep hanging yeah out and that either. sucks and we do end up like that i think um when we're surrounded in the crumbling. Um, but I think it's that that's, that's because we're attached to the outcomes. Um, and a different perspective or perhaps a different perch for you, right? Uh, a different, you know, you wanna watch the opera from the upper echelon so you can watch the audience too. And it's important to do that when you're at this point in your life where you're at as a wise being, um, conscious, more awake than many of the people around you. Um, part of why a lot of us came in, at especially certain age groups, is to literally watch, watch something that's never happened before. It's so new. We've never seen anything quite like this in this galaxy. There hasn't ever been a situation with all of the different causations and parts and symptoms as complex and unique as the one we're in right now. And that's why we sign up for these things. This show has never been seen before. And the watching humanity with a little bit more dispassion here and less attachment to their outcomes um i think it's just as important to examine the audience right now to the show as it is to watch the show and know who wrote it 
And that's my answer to that, basically, is to get even more deeper into full-blown holy cow above the earth observation. Perch yourself above the earth every day. You, you're a server of the human and you show up in the nitty gritty all the time and you have for your whole life. And um, in that, we, we lose the, this very high level observation capability, I think. Um, and so there's got to be some balance to that. And, and you, you've earned it to be able to perch yourself above all of this and watch is going to help you to find that universal compassion, that state where you're not feeling so bored, lonely, over it, annoyed, frustrated, all the pieces that come when you have to get one-on-one -on -one with humans. Um, and and you know you're, you, that's not who you really are. So take your position appropriately, along with the rest of our galactic family, above everything and witness. Well, there isn't really a show and then the audience. I mean, isn't everyone in the audience in the show? Oh, yeah, that's what's weird about it. <laughs> and some of them will like join the show and then hang out in the audience for a while and then come join the and play. Because, their because that kind of goes along with people who think that there's somebody here trying to get all the money and all the power for themselves and and leaving you in the dirt or making your life worse you know the glitterati or whoever you know is named it but if it's all a collective consciousness then it's all us yeah but that's what the grand observer affords you because then you're not separate from any of it but you're also not trying to go in and find any sort of peace by helping because most of the people who need help are, have already showed up to the door in many of our lives and the others they're they're not ready it's not time yet or they don't want it um but but your your angst your your pain is coming from that love that you have and that hope but all of that is also pointing to that you're connecting your your happiness to the outcomes and like i said we really don't know what the outcomes are that's impossible um but the the grand observer is the fix for this angst and maintaining a position above everything as best as possible at all times above the earth watch from there for as as long as needed until you find yourself relaxed and happy again um, and not uh, so perturbed by the systems you're in. And, you know, you're perturbed by the systems you're in with the medical industry, for example, because they're being run by the demonic. I mean, the heart of them is a big, nasty, very uh, fat <laughs> demon who just feeds off of everybody's problems. Every time you call up and they mess up, they screw up some test or something that you needed, that's that demonic energy that comes in just to poke you a little harder to feed off of your dismay and your frustration and even worse your despair um most of these systems that are crumbling are run by real big fat happy arc level demonic entities who who once we once we walk into the hospital the minute we walk in 
they're trying to sucker punch us into being a slave. So, you know, you, you've been trying to get out of that system since the minute you got in, because <laughs> you've, you've had no choice. <laughs> um, but gosh, you need a break. The only break you have is to perch high, high above all of this. And I think that's a message for all of us as well, not just for Sarah. It's, it's a message for all of us. I think we can all relate to that for sure. Yeah, we got to perch up and watch from above a little more, be more um, compassionate, but but dispassionate in that we're not here to save anything. Uh, the whole cycle will work itself out, but we need to watch it very carefully. By observing the cycle working itself out, then we actually give it more power to do so. Um, but we have to be neutral to do that. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. I'll take that for a birthday blessing to, to <laughs> I can, yeah. can stop being sensitive and stop caring about it. Yeah. Actually, that's that. exactly what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some grand observer, keep reminding grand yourself, observer, grand, grand observer. observer. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, we're gonna go to Kathy. Kathy, you wanna unmute yourself? Whoops. Hi, Kathy. Hello, can you hear me okay? <clears throat> yep, we can. Um, just to, for Sarah, I know I get into that kind of situation and I think in my head something really funny that will either make me laugh or bring joy to me because I, you know, we're here for the grid. We chose to be reincarnated in this time to help the planet and help everything move as smoothly as possible. And I don't look at all the negative stuff. Just say, hello, I'm here. I'm here for what you need. Um, I love the planet. I love the earth. Um, I, I love our ETs that we haven't met yet. Um, or I haven't met yet. I don't know in my junk DNA who are my galactic family, but I think you will feel better if you think differently. Just look for the joy. We know everything went to hell in a handbag, but you know what, that's behind us. We're moving forward. It's gonna get better. And we're, we're beautiful old souls and, and, you know, anyway, I just had to say that to you because, you know, you're here for a purpose and it's hard on us, I know, but we'll get through this and we just need to add a little joy. So think of something funny. Think of something that's going to make you laugh. But I was curious. I'm, I'm, I'm a really like a stand up comedian and, and, that all, <laughs> but, <laughs> and that all works till you get hit by a truck. So, well, I got hit by a truck too. Don't feel bad. I've, I've been sick. I've had my um, things going, but you know what? That's kind of part of what the earth is. Earth is a planet of emotions and it's a planet of a lot of things. And like Elizabeth says, our medical, they are a mess. So, you know, we're kind of at their mercy, but okay, I'm going to get through this and I'm going to find the joy and let the medical system be dealt with because I know it's gonna change and I know everything and I can feel in my heart, everything's gonna get better and we're gonna do better. I just wanna know maybe one or two of my galactic family. Elizabeth, well, are you able to sure. tell me? Of course. Close galactic family? Certainly, you know, uh, context here. 
the soul is much older than our galaxy. It comes from the beginning of time. So when we talk about the past lives we've had, we tend to put a lot of weight on these things. And the truth is, is that your past lives are the best way to use that whole body of knowledge really is to understand your long game as a soul. There's certain things that we all want to understand, right? But the way you talk, Kathy, I don't really have to psychically look very hard um, <laughs> because you're speaking as the heart of a Pleiadian. And yeah. the Pleiadians are truly that heartfelt. They really are the most positive and I've talked to pretty much everybody and there's many thousands of human ancestors that are very difficult for us to even imagine um, how they ended up the way they did. But the classic ones are the most prominent here because they had the most influence and the Pleiadians are the top two most influential. The third being the Arcturians. There's more Pleiadians here than there are anyone else. But that doesn't mean you're not special and, and important. We wouldn't be able to, Kathy, do much work without you, without that attitude that you just brought to the table. It's a pure Pleiadian attitude, very positive um, and kind. But I also want to point out a different aspect, that many of our lives are multidimensional. Some of us are, uh, not myself, but... Many of you come from fairy lineage, and that's a fifth dimensional lineage um, that has had a lot of skin in the game. There's lots and lots of fairies here. And then even others from very different places, different dimensions. And so I want to point that out, that you actually come from, there's fourth and fifth dimensional lineages as well. And you have a lineage from the fourth dimension. It's what we call fourth and fifth. It toggles a bit because they're both really formless. Somebody asked me, where's the hungry ghosts, which are basically people stuck in purgatory, and that's the fourth dimension. Um, but you come from a lineage that I call the nature spirits or the devas of nature, where um, we have terms for them, naiads and dryads and um, different beings that come of the natural world. And that's where that sort of uh, positive love for nature as as uh, brutal as it can be you know if anybody's seen an orca play with a dead baby seal <laughs> it, that's full-blown nature for you but gosh it's rough um and that that type of person who comes to the table also has an understanding of hey we can't focus on how brutal natural law can end up becoming because, you know, it requires literal destruction for anything to actually live all the time, 24-7. Um, but rather, how can we celebrate these things? How can we celebrate the laws of nature? And that's what comes through for you, Kathy, is part of your nature is to celebrate the laws of nature, to celebrate destruction as a built-in part of our a needed built-in part otherwise we'd all be dead quite immediately um and then of course the celebration of protection and preservation and the celebration of creation and integration and all these laws of reality that's where that natural or nature spirit part comes in too so those are the most prominent of the two lineages one of them not being a star lineage but rather a different dimension altogether 
Um, but the Pleiadians are absolutely, they have a, they, you had a long, long set of lifetimes on those two planets. Mm. So lots to, um, lots to work with there. And I think in the story of what happened to the Pleiadians, you'll see so clearly why you ended up having such a positive outlook on reality. Um, it'll be very useful to you to feel known, to feel seen, right? And that's a good thing to be. Well, thank you. And thank you for talking to all of us. We need more and more people to be aware of what's going on and to kind of let this lighten up a little bit and take in the light from the grid and add to the grid and, yes. and just do the best that we can do because everybody says, what's my purpose? Well, our purpose is to be here to add to the grid and just bring That's in right. some Balance happiness. Yep. Bring in some happiness, even though we're struggling, just smile. And thank well, you, Alara. Took me a while to find you again. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. 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 Thank um, and there's lots, you know, you can find stargates all over the place, physical ones, ones in alignment with stars and also even just hanging out and gazing at certain stars. So if you get a glimpse of Vega, for example, um, that's actually the same star from which the light was used to create original, very, very beginning first original human DNA that light was used from that star. When you hang out and just meditate in the light of that star, it creates a, it, it has its own templates of light, right? And you can actually sometimes see them. They look like fractals. I taught some classes about these sorts of things and how certain setups in solar systems can have a dramatic effect on our lineages and some of the lineages that we don't know very much about. Um, it called the spheres of influence and wisdom. So that might interest some of you. Um, and then the other person mentioned, um, uh, Leela again asked uh, about subconscious. Seems odd that we would have aspects of ourselves hidden from our own personal knowing. Uh, Leela, this is why I teach about the three minds. You have three brains. You're assuming that the subconscious of the brain is supposed to do this sort of job around maintaining a history of the body, and that's not what the brain is for at all. The brain is not the seat of body memory at all. It's the heart. And so the subconscious is actually uh, kind of like a garbage disposal. And there's lots of copies of things and random stuff down there. Accessing it and cleaning it out is something that is absolutely possible, but then being able to then move from the body memory from the heart versus the brain is the next step from there. So cleaning up the subconscious is basically like cleaning out your garbage disposal and greasing it up and making it more useful to just dissolve stuff that's not necessary anymore. And then um, acting from the heart, knowing that the heart has the seat of body memory and perfect memory. And how do you work with that? That's that, that is the answer to sort of what you're wondering about. And then what is the future? Well, it's gonna be you moving from the heart. And then lastly, 
Tanya asks, in Buddhism, they believe that the universe like a, looks like a string of jewels with many facets, and every facet reflects the facets of other jewels. How do we translate this? This is in the tradition I teach, that's the second dimension, and we call it Indra's net. And that's what it was written as, yes, correct, um, Indra's net, but that's a dimension. It's so, so you start in the first one, right, with the I am presence, I am, and where is that in your body? You can feel it in your heart. And then you feel the connections to all the other I ams. And it's not you connecting to people's egos and traumas and identities. It's you connecting to their souls. That's where those perfect reflections of the universe come in. So Indra's net is the second dimension. And why is everyone so obsessed with the fourth and fifth dimension? Well, I actually think, I don't know if it's conspiracy or not, but... I think it was to keep light workers from accessing the I am presence, strengthening that, and then having access to the psychic field, the real internet that's called Indra's net. Because right now, all of us are starting to connect to that. And you really can't not do that. So th there's been things that have tried to slow us down and stop us from doing that and make us more interested in the fifth dimension, which is full of all possibilities. But Honestly, unless you like hanging out in a cubist painting, hanging out in the fifth dimension is not very comfortable. <laughs> so um, having access to all of them, all of them working for you, that is what I want to bring us to the table around. So you're right on the money wondering about all of that, uh, Tanya, and I just want to thank you. Good. Uh, uh, should we speak with Beth next, um, Alara, and then uh, Tanya and Sue? Yeah, and, yeah, and um, I'm just gonna uh, make a request. Please don't raise your hand anymore because we can't stay on forever. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> not of time, but we love you anyway. <laughs> but we would love to stay and ask and answer a few more quick questions. Beth, go ahead. Okay, <clears throat> thank you both very much. Hi, Elizabeth. Very happy to um, be here with you. Of course, um, Beth. I I do feel uh, more uplifted. I. I I could relate to what Sarah was saying too, of course, but I just feel like lately, I don't know how this um, interplays with what you're doing today with the galactic, but I feel like a little bit in a standstill, or maybe it's a transition of something, but in some ways my work is lower, but I don't seem to get, I need time to get things done. I'm not getting things done. I, there like there's just this kind of uncertainty and I think about, you know, what could happen in the future and how am I taking care of that now? And I'm not taking the steps and I don't even know how to do that or to do that on my own. Or I just feel a bit like a little bit like this. And underneath that, there's a lot of sadness, but I also know that I easily pick up from the collective too. And I know that that's all of us as well. So I know that you can just come up with whatever you want to come up and I'll be very happy with that. So I keep getting this image of you trying to fit square pegs in round holes. <laughs> um, and also, is that how it feels to you right now? Maybe. You're, trying to get, you're trying to finalize stuff and you just see, it's like keeps, petering out yeah and and, and and there's a, like almost a, a dissatisfaction which I normally don't you know I don't know I feel differently than I normally do um so yes well that's part of it 
I think, don't underestimate, Beth, what's happened to you since Solstice. You are a, you're a, you've changed shape. You're no longer a square peg that can fit in a square hole and nothing that you do can either. Um, what's happening is that you need to um, uh, basically recognize that you're in a time of acclimation and that you need to be very, very conscious of it and take your time for it. And I think that it's that quarterly thing that happens when you go through a solstice change, like what's just happened, which basically blew open all the dimensions. So now everyone's going to have these things open up and everyone's going to have these moments of why don't I care about reality right now? Or, or these things aren't fitting anymore. Um, because you're, everyone's being uh, transformed. We're being, we're wide open. Um, so you're in different shape. You can't work the way you did before, but you're still acclimating to the shape you're in. So you need to be really gentle to yourself and know that over the next couple of months, as we enter into equinox, which is the next marker, things will start to feel way more solid that you can get some stuff done. It's about timing, but you, you have to acclimate first and you got to make room for that to get used to the new shape that you are. Um, and then you can actualize. So you're in acclimation time right now, not actualization time where it all starts to feel satisfying because all the tumblers fall into place. Um, where, you, where you feel like you don't have to do a whole bunch of work. You don't have to keep trying to hammer the square peg into the round hole anymore. Um, and, but you're gonna have to really sit back and be right now. You can't do a lot in the state you're in you have to get used to all the new edges and all the new corners and the new designs that you are. Um, however, you wouldn't have got here if you hadn't have done so much work already. So the new shape you're in is the best one for the long term, and you've only just got a glimpse of it. So, um, you know, from there, I would say, let's sit down a half hour together okay. and, and, and I'll be able to describe to you what is this shape that you are? And what do you do with it from here? How do you make sure to acclimate efficiently and then make sure everything falls into place effectively when actualization time comes, right? Because it's coming up real quick here. Okay. That that helps enormously because I also, like, I don't need to judge that. No. I mean, that just wants to be, okay. Yeah, yeah. it just is. And so that-, that Now you're working with a different shape. So you can't work with the same, the same table right yeah it's all it's just it's as simple as that but it does not make it less awkward <laughs> so <laughs> that's okay. how i perceive it good thank you very much thank you alara as well you're so welcome awesome. all right thank you beth all right we're and um in this case uh i'd like to pick if that's all right i'd like to speak with tanya and walter and mm -hmm. sue next time we'll get together okay uh we'll talk okay so Tanya and then Walter, and then, then we'll wrap up because Alara needs to go. But hi, Tanya. Hi. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you. I was sorry I was a bit late. Uh, I have two questions, but I will ask one because one is philosophical. I will put it aside. But uh, I since I was 
told that I'm Andromedian, Andromedan, Andromedian star seeds. I started uh, reading about uh, Andromedans, yeah. and uh, and they say that there are not many Andromedans here because the vibration is so high they don't fit into the 3D vibration. So and also I read that um, they are difficult. They they cannot stand kind of this level of vibration, and they very very often get kind of lost in uh, in this oh, samsara. Sure. Yeah. And you're say, wondering why. So I I wonder because I thought you know my ego always says oh yes if you were Andromedan you know you would have remembered you could have done this and that and that and so why uh, why there are not many Andromedans? Yeah, what's going on with that? Yeah, I actually have a lot of uh, different clients who are Andromedan, and I do think it is a rare thing. I can't say that there's tons, but there's a smattering. Most of them are walk-ins. Because Andromedans aren't from here. So, you know, in order to get invited to this experiment, you have to have already done a lot of service. And why would Andromedans want to come here anyway? Well, it's very simple. Um, we start, we first we look at astrophysics. The Andromedan galaxy is merging with our galaxy. We're going to be one galaxy not so long in the future. Hmm. And that really scares the holy bejesus out of Andromedans because all the people in our galaxy really don't like strangers and we have a good reason not to because the first and last strangers that came were pretty horrible um so we're very what's called xenophobic here in our galaxy and we don't like new people so you know the andromedans foresaw all of this because they have a species, most of whom are here um, uh, incarnate. There's, as you can imagine, millions and millions of species in that galaxy, but one of them has a lot more clout than the others, and we call them timekeepers, because they have a way to understand the rhythm of the universe. Um, they call it the language of orbits, and it's the language of how we all orbit everything. Everything's orbiting something. And that that language is a language in that certain language, most function of language is to understand and put words to the, the actions of the past, present, and future. And understanding how everything orbits everything else, these cycles, for example, is a language of its own. And it can be understood as a way to determine future events to a certain extent. The Andromedans extrapolated that and saw that we were all going to be one galaxy and that it very well could be quite a terrible mess because then all these very weird Andromedans talk about weird. There's nothing like anything you've ever seen in your life. Um, and then you just keep going along this long list of beings that are just so out there. You'd never imagine them. You can't. It's impossible. Um, we're not as creative as source God. So uh, when you connect with all of that and you realize that all these beings would then be suddenly presented to us crazy folk here who really don't like strangers or, or anybody that looks different than us, then it would be a mess, right? So what do they do? They send all their peacekeepers. And what do peacekeepers do? Well, they tend to be alone. When you're doing reconnaissance and peacekeeping, you're alone or you have maybe one other person with you. And so we have all these Andromedans on Earth and they're all really confused when really they're just here to kind of get to know and have compassion for humans and bring some peace to the table. 
So most of the Andromedans that I know, whether they remember it or not, and many of them do, and it really is rough. Um, but, you know, most of them, they realize, you know, you're right. I, I'm just here to keep the peace or at least to present some ideas for peace. I'm not necessarily here to fix anything. I just need to make sure that the xenophobia, and that seems to be the constant goal, is to find a way to love the other that the Andromedans have, including themselves, because they don't feel human. To mm -hmm. How to love even humans, right? So that's how I perceive the Andromedans. And yes, they do play a role, and we will cover it in our history. I, I forgot to mention that. But I talk about, it's called, the, the, the chapter of the story we'll go through is called Andromedans Hope. What is going on with that galaxy? Why are they even here at all? What do we have to learn from them? So very glad that we can connect on that point. Um, and so many of these great peacekeepers have that lineage there. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. My God, I haven't got a clue about that. Well, it'll feel really powerful then and empowering for you to know yourself better and mm -hmm. that part of ourselves. I've always been a peacekeeper and I never liked conflicts and wars. And I was trying to make people friends and help people in a way. But I never thought about it. You know, I thought, well, they came just like every other, other like other stars. No, they <laughs> had a really specific goal in mind and they, they're they're fulfilling it. If anybody's okay. fulfilled their job, the Andromedans have. Because we're well on our way to a global understanding of peace. I mean, we've got that started. So, And once you get that Thank ball you. rolling, it can't stop. <laughs> Thank you. You're You're welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. And, and quite a few people wrote in the chat that they are also Andromedan. So you're not the only one. Yep, and that they feel the same, that they tend to be alone. And wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes good, sense. good, good. Um, all right, we're going to go to Walter. Hi, Walter. Hi. We're neighbors just about. Walter's my neighbor and, and a teacher of mine, so I'm very oh, nice. to serve him today. <laughs> so I, I feel very much like I'm an earth being, right? That I've had many, many incarnations on the earth. And, and I think most people feel that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of people say they're from other places. Uh, so when when we die away, I'm just wondering if if um, yeah. we could have uh, parallel lives, you know, on the Pleiades and here. We and say we come from the Pleiades. Would I don't know? Maybe they don't experience death there, or you know, the way we do. Do you? then, you know, between um, death and a new birth, maybe people go, go to different um, places and then get reborn here on Earth. I, I don't know, this one thing I really think about quite a lot. It's tricky because there's two ways to answer it and both are right. One is that linear way but that's actually a belief system around time where it's one step at a time. And then there's another way to sort of see it as a long game that the soul has certain things it wants to accomplish in consciousness. And that feels more true to me. There are no parallels. It's not 
how it works because you're a singular frequency and the universe can't exist without your frequency that's why we have incarnation at all from the beginning of time because the universe is like a big song and if you have the midnight sonata and you take one note out of that then it's not the midnight sonata anymore and so that's why um existence or your existence is so key and your your experiencing of the universe is so key and it must be there it has to be there and right now it's expressed as walter and and i actually really think that being straight up just plain human right now especially for the masculine is key because um my husband feels the same he's like i i believe this stuff but right now i don't remember anything and i'm just straight up human and i'm 3d and i'm grounded and i'm an earth being right now but that presence that awareness that being embodied as a man being conscious being uh being able to love as fully as you do as a man and offer the wisdom you do that's the long game how have you then had to offer your wisdom in this universe well so many different ways in bodies without bodies in different dimensions because your note in the song has to exist one way or another so um there is a body of thought however that like my elizabeth self for example is one of 12 versions or 12 faces and that that portion of my soul that the soul this is not uh from the lineage that i teach from this comes from a different lineage um but this concept that there's actually 12 faces or 12 parts to the soul and that kind of like a facet we we take breaks so like that this this is 12 cycles ago i was the same being as elizabeth with the face of elizabeth and have had evidence of that weirdly um but that there's other faces that there's facets of me of the same frequency that have had played roles but that i took a break as myself as elizabeth and that the soul can define how we look and which face goes and and is incarnate in the universe this is like very complex thinking but that does make a little bit of sense when it comes to some of the things people have experienced in, in the incarnation that I've heard about. Uh, in the long run, though, I think being in the now, not worrying about past lives, the 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 new age has been full of a lot of blessings and a lot of problems. And one of them is this idea that past lives have so much weight. They really don't. What has weight are the is the long game. And I described it earlier today to somebody who emailed me. She asked me this, and this is my answer to you finally, uh, Walter, and for everyone else, is that the truth is, is that um, karma can only be built in action in the life you're in. And that's built as deeds, and it's like uh it's building blocks, it's Legos. Karma is like Legos. And so if you build your karma in a certain direction and you end up having some event happen to you, it's because you built your building that direction. And if you had built it in a different way, then it would have been different. But that's why partly we have so many lives is so we can build the building a lot of different ways. Um, 
the the second piece is that past lives are sort of like okay the present life is like the movie that's currently playing on the screen that's the only movie you can do anything with it's the only one that's going to inform you most in the present time past lives are movies that had played on the screen but there were themes and as you start to get to know the themes it this present life starts to make more sense so for example in most of my lives i either played out like some horrific dark crazy level of uh darkness and evil or like some crazy level of light and sainthood and awesomeness and not a lot of gray area between and I'd always deal with dark satanic stuff, either being with it or against it. And so my soul has played a long game. And those lifetimes really have no weight except for to inform me of my long game, the themes, the polarities that I care about to, to deal with in consciousness. And in this life, absolutely 100%, that's the theme and the polarity I've cared about the most has been the dark satanic versus the light and the angelic and the kindness and the goodness of the world. But how to collapse that polarity and not play for and against anymore, that's the long game. And you can't do that unless you are really conscious of the movie that's playing right now, because that's the one that counts. That's the one that you have more control over, that you can turn off and on, or you can change the story or see it a certain way. But the other movies, they already played. They don't have any say in how your Lego uh, house is built now. And so your Lego house is built by you now and formed by you now. Um, and so as for like what, what you do in the world, it all has had to be now in the physical as Walter. You couldn't have done it better, Walter. If you knew a whole bunch of your other lives, you really couldn't have done it better. So it wouldn't have served you. You didn't miss out on anything. <laughs> you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have served you. Everything you need is here. All the polarities around life and death and everything you need to know is in this life. So the recapitulation of this life, which always has to happen many times over, is, is going to be where you gather the most gifts. And the rest of it will, will be benefited by that. Um, so that's my long answer to that and what seems to make sense from what I'm aware of. Um, you muted yourself instead of unmute, sorry. <laughs> you gotta unmute it one more time. There you go. Yeah, I, I had a lot of background noise, so thanks a lot for what you said. No problem. Yeah. Well, I love your work and, um, you know, Walter works to protect the sacred uh, relationship that humans have with nature and with the earth. And uh, he, he knows how to work with the natural ways of being with the earth. And he's been doing that by his personal work, but also the work with the native people here in Ecuador. So I just want to celebrate him and his wife real quick here and just saying that, that this is not... Um, a random guy <laughs> this is a high caliber person and we all have questions that need answering of course including myself thank you walter for being here and asking your question thank you nice um 
Okay, so we we took a lot of questions. There were some questions still in the chat, but I think you got most of them, uh, I Elizabeth. I think we covered it all, man, and we're pretty good. Let's wrap it up. I think so. So any any other last words of wisdom for us, especially about anything else that we need to know? Just for us, you know, like I know some of us have already signed up and registered for the the twelve month live courses, so that's wonderful. Um, and for you, for those of you who haven't yet, I will be sending out the email shortly, and the uh, information will also be in the the replay video, all that stuff. But I'll put it here as well, just in case. Um, take a look at that. But there's so, there's going to be so much wisdom and energies and and transmissions and Q and A, whatever you all need in these twi twelve live calls with Elizabeth once a month, right? So which really gives you a chance to integrate the wisdom and the energies as well, right? Because sometimes if you, if honestly, if you did it every week, it'd be like way too much. It's like, I can't even grasp it all, you know, from, from one call. I need, I need to sit in it, right? I need to just be in it for a while. Um, yes. So somebody's asking- About will... the timing. Most of these classes are gonna be about two hours. In the case of this particular one, I'm not going to be taking many questions because I want you to sit back, relax, and get a cup of tea with your jammies and just receive. And I don't want you to think about it too much. So, um, but two hours, and some folks, you know, have a hard time with the timing because it's a bit early. Um, if you're in Eastern time in the United States, it's going to be, it should be at 10 a.m. Because I will be starting at a, uh, or excuse me, it should be at 11 a.m. Yeah. Uh, Eastern time, and then it'll start at uh, 10 a.m. my time. So 11 a.m. Eastern time is when it'll begin. It should be, timing-wise, uh, it's, the, it's the West Coast that's going to have that early time. But um, we're pretty good about getting these things transcribed. I like to transcribe everything I do, make sure it gets to you. Um, in written form as well as the audio and video replay. Um, so yeah, about two hours. Um, and yes, consistency. So I just want, ability just to really, sorry, I hate to interrupt, but um, Tanya's eight eleven a.m. Eastern is by uh, it's like four p.m. in the UK. You're going backwards. <laughs> That's right? correct. So, yes, yeah. eleven a.m. Eastern is four p.m. In, in, in UK and for us in Europe, it's 5 p.m. Uh, in Europe for the, for the rest of Europe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if awesome. you're not if you're not sure and you're like, I don't know, uh, just message us, you know, either on my site or Lara's or and she'll forward it. Or if you have my assistance email or contact me on my site, whatever you need, we'll make sure you know what your time we can help you with the time zone stuff. It sucks, but. Yeah, and, and and like Elizabeth said, all the replays will go out within 48 hours with the transcript, which I love, because I love how I'm, I'm a reader, so I, I also like to read, right? So it's like reading for Follow. me, I get more. Yeah, and you get more, yeah. And then you can start to use that as your notes if you want to, if you want to get that deep into it. Though, I'm telling you, don't, not at first. Just listen and receive at first. Just hang out in the story. Let somebody tell you a story. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you. And thank you everybody for being here for all of your wonderful questions and feedback in the chat is wonderful. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's always wonderful to have Elizabeth here with us. We we love her her wisdom, her knowledge. I mean, she knows a lot, right? So it's just and being and having that different perspective, right? Um, that we may not hear or see, and you know, elsewhere, right? So it's wonderful to have that fresh, fresh perspective. Um, which you know, like like Elizabeth said, feel. How does it feel to you, right? Um, how does it feel? Don't always take everything that everybody says as ultimate truth or whatever, feel inside, how does it feel for you? I always say that to them, well, I'm not sure how I feel about this. And then allow yourself to sit in it, right? It's like, mm -hmm. just sit in it and, and again, continue to receive. So even from today's show, you know, go back and watch or listen and again, receive, right? Yes. And yeah, uh, Martha, it is an amazing offer. I mean, I was looking at it and I'm like 12 months of these live calls every every month. That's amazing for the for the, the price point. So please do take advantage of it. There is a payment plan available. And of course, if you are an inner circle member, please use your gift code as well. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be like not just eye opening, but it's going to open up your consciousness and help you to expand and see things in a different way. So I love Elizabeth's work. Elizabeth, I don't know how you do everything that you do. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. But you do a lot. So thank you for, for what you are uh, offering us to the world, to the planet, to, to the collective. Um, yeah, I, I really think you're amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's a huge compliment. And I can also say the same. I'm so grateful for your space, what you've created. And it's you've always been very consistent and kind. You're so compassionate and real for your people, from your heart, all these years. Thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you. I, I, I try, sometimes it's like, I'm not sure what's going on in my own life, right? So, but- uh, But you we... say that, <laughs> and so do I. And show up, we're moms, we're married, we have lives, we have pets, you know, this is all real. Yeah, and so. yeah, and that's the thing. Show show up for your life, show up for, for you. And, that, and, and that's the key also with Elizabeth's program, I'm not, I'm not a salesperson, so I'm not selling anything, but it's about showing up for you and your consciousness and your expansion and your growth. So um, yeah, I think it's important. So thank you. <laughs> and it's the weekend, everyone. So for those of Happy you weekend. all who are going to be joining Elizabeth's call tomorrow for at 11 a.m., I cannot because I already have plans with my daughter. It's my, it's my, it's the last day I'm going to be with her because um, I'm in Canada at the moment, Elizabeth, and I'm going back on Monday. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I've been spending well, lots of the replays time. Have just the same amount of power and energy and enjoyment for you and in yeah, exactly. fact I think that you'll find it to be so over the long run in general and you'll want to have those replays to listen to again no matter what so don't worry yeah because yeah with yeah, the replays you can pause and you can take notes for yourself you know and but yeah the first time receive 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 yeah yes. awesome thank you so much Elizabeth thank you so Thanks, much Liz. everyone until next time, may continue to be blessed with an abundance of joy, peace, love, happiness, prosperity, and radiant health. Sending you all so much love and blessings. And I'm so, I'm so glad that it, that it all worked out, Elizabeth. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. The weather held and, and, and the internet held. Yes, yes. We're so grateful for that. So thank you. All right. Yeah. Thank oh, you, bye. everyone. Bye for now. Have a great weekend.